I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. I'm all out of bubblegum. Standing up and speaking out, here's Hal Sparks. Well, I... I, I I think, you know, I'm, we're all becoming, have we all become Rachel Maddow now? Have we all just, huh. or you, you, you get an idea of what your show is going to be, what you want it to be, what you think it should be. You've got a topic, you've done, you've got discussion points. And then the news cycle. Show prepared. Yeah. The, the news cycle leading up to it just circumvents the entire thing. Now let's, let's, can we, can we chop down some of the ridiculous lies around the um, impeachment proceedings so far um, because I guess every uh, from from Senator John Kennedy to Matt Getz and all these Cretans storming the skiff the there's been some run-of-the-mill lies about this that just need to be addressed um, the first one being that they must have a vote to open an impeachment inquiry. So um, first and foremost, um, that would fall under the category of uh, more of a guideline than a rule, but definitely not a law, not required at all. And if you were in a circumstance, um, the, the, the legally you know binding aspect of having to do that would actually scuttle an investigation where you were doing standard oversight stumbled on an actual crime and they would want all the stuff previous to an impeachment vote tossed out as fruit of the poison tree or is not a proper impeachment hearing. So that's ridiculous. They do not, um, they have never had to uh, have an, a vote to advance an impeachment inquiry. Um, that being said, um, the reason the Republicans want this is not for precedent, not for legal reasons, not, you know, to go to play by the rules or have fairness. The reason they want this is so that they can say that the vote, which will be largely described in the press as an impeachment uh, vote, as opposed to an impeachment hearing or the a vote to open an inquiry, which would the which would be a hair that would be split on MSNBC and CNN nonstop, but on Fox News, what they would blast is Democrats vote to impeach president, right before the mm-hmm. trial part of it, before the investigation began. So that's they're looking for that um, that PR win. That's what they want. They want that to happen. They wanted that to happen first, so they could go. You know, they're voting to impeachment before they've even looked at the evidence. Secondly, what they would get to do. Um, and why they want this so badly is that they could take the Democrats that voted for the impeachment vote, lay that over the, vo- the the Democrats that voted for the actual impeachment once it came up, and said that the same people, these people had already made up their minds, that the that it was just a sham trial, that these people had already decided that the president was guilty, and that's it. So this is all about PR. This is and and as is the storming of the skiff as is every talking point that comes out of Jim Jordan's oddly, like, does, is it just me or does Jim Jordan look like he washed up on a beach? Like as the, like the lone survivor of a, uh, um, uh, of a, I immediately uh, pictured the weird, uh, politician in the X-Men 
<laughs> right. <laughs> to the blob. <laughs> yeah, right. Or the dude in the um in in RoboCop who gets hit by the car after uh, <laughs> getting dipped in toxic waste. So Jordan just has this weird kind of jellyfish tonality. There's a lot of ill health going on there. I think his soul is eating away at him inside, or what's left of it. But the but one of his you know his big talking points or whatever um, is the second one, which is. And by the way, they're going to have an impeachment vote on this if the in if the information they find merits an, a vote for impeachment, they will have it. They will have a public vote on impeachment. They will present the articles. The Republicans will have an opportunity to address the articles, and then there will be a vote. And there will be Republicans who vote for it along with the Democrats. End of story. Secondly, it will go to the Senate, where there is a trial. This is the part which becomes public. This is the part where he gets the. They technically get to cross-examine witnesses, and his uh, legal team gets to act as his advocates in this situation. Whole court's out of order. Right. Yes. Right. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I got a little excited. It, it happens. Uh, I, you know, it's hard not you to yell for, yeah admit that you uh, ordered the code red. Um, you know, <laughs> you want me on that wall. You want me to build that wall. You need me to build that wall. So, and get Mexico to pay for it. New Mexico, which I don't even know if you realize, still Mexico. Um, it's like three letters away from actual Mexico. I don't trust it. And um, anyway, so so the other one is is that these, um, so so he will get a trial in the Senate. He will get to advocate for himself. They will get to cross-examine witnesses. They will get to look at evidence. Now, the funny part is for me is that they were like, we demand to see the evidence and talk to the people. Like, okay, first of all, all of these people used to work for you. So you talk to them every day. So what do you think they know that you don't know? This is not- no, we, we need a chance to take away the evidence that we know they have. Right, this isn't the guy across the street with a pair of binoculars that watched you murder your wife and drag her body out and throw it in the trunk and drive away in the middle of the night. Th this is your brother that helped you with the shovel. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, and he wrote the memo about the murder. Right, and, it, and literally their objection you know, to them, uh, you know, to doing this, uh, it, you know, testifying is that they know too much, essentially. So in in terms of <laughs> the Jim Jordan talking point and the Matt Getz, uh, they're doing this in secret part. Um, the Benghazi hearings were, were done initially in secret. There's even this clip of Trey Gowdy. I'll see if I can find it. Um, of him going, yeah, it's much easier to have them in private because you actually get the information because in public, they're just a big circus. Which you know, uh, good lord, is that a weird, a weird moment of like self realization for seriously? It's just the Casper calling the jellyfish white. In in this case, yes, Jim Jordan, as he is known, um, uh, GYM, yes, guy, guy who ignored sexual abuse as he, when he was a a wrestling coach, um, is is suddenly the arbiter of what is fair and decent in, in America. But okay, so his, you know, he and Getz's argument is that this is happening in secret um, and that it's done, it should be done in the public eye and this is unfair to the president and he doesn't, you know, um, he's, he's not getting his day in court. You'll hear this a bunch, like, 
even, even Giuliani floated this nonsense before he went persona non grata on all the networks. So the the argument that they have is that this is being done in secret. Okay, for okay, and, and that's garbage on two fronts. One is, um, like I said before, the Benghazi um, hearings, umpteen different oversight hearings are done in private, largely because of what spills out during it can be exculpatory or inflammatory and you kind of want to get your ducks in a row it's the same reason you call a grand jury is you go we we want to make sure that this witness who we who the cops talked to they gave a statement gives a statement in front of the grand jury which gets them under oath by the way and then and then they go to trial so that they're standing in front of everyone they don't they don't reverse their testimony and end up scuttling the whole case that's what this is for let me make sure that what you're saying in private is the same as what you're saying in public and i'm going to and we're going to get you under oath when you do this it's it's real simple so i guess the uh, the other one being that you know that he is it's being hidden from the american people well one of the reasons why you also do these things is because this particular you know but well i guess technically the russian uh investigation would qualify as well but certainly this one qualifies as covering lots of elements of national security um where how much funding we are giving to an ally where that funding is going um when it was released what it was what it paid for where um you know our concerns about troop positions our concerns about our, you know artillery positions and those kind of things that the ukrainians had um which would not be great for them if it was made public because they're at war with russia and uh we're presumably on their side so we would not want to uh undermine their their troop deployment or positions or any of that kind of stuff or or the timing of particular shipments or any of those things there's a lot of active factors on this that you don't want brought up in open session now when they go back, there will be elements that the that the congressmen and women, because they know they've addressed this, will be able to avoid bringing up certain parts of it, and the testimony will already be in record mm. and an aspect of the impeachment inquiry. So, point being, okay. So, where were we on the lies? The one, uh, it's it's uh, it's in secret, and um, he's not going to get his day in court. And okay, we did those. Um, the next one, of course, um, before we go to break, is the shifty shift made a statement to Congress, totally fraudulent. He should be impeached himself because he what he said was not what I said. What I said was a perfect call. Perfect. Okay, first of all, if it's a perfect call, it could not be misinterpreted these this multitude of ways, in theory, right? If it's a perfect call, it was a good call. People could get people could make their own mistakes. I made a great call. I was great. I was great on that call. These people are nuts. You can say that. Perfect call um, means he was threading a needle um, while uh, doing something illegal while trying not to sound like he was doing something illegal, and he is completely convinced he was successful. That's what the perfect call thing means. I was great. I didn't say quid pro quo or else. I didn't, you know, I avoided that entirely. I had a note on my paper. No pid quo row, no squid pro row. And, uh, you know, so that, you know, obviously not a perfect call. But the, 
the idea somehow that he, uh, in his perfect call, that Schiff made up what he said and entered it into the record. Well, I got news for you. What Schiff said came after the release of the, the White House's version of the phone call. He was paraphrasing what the, pre- what the president was saying, putting it in naturalistic language and explaining it to people while entering the actual text into the record. In the record, in the Congress, the actual transcript, um, I guess we'll eventually get in, but the version that the White House put out was put into the record before basically he's saying, literally Trump thinks that you're, uh, I guess you're, you're guilty of libel if you do a, wait a minute, are you saying that I'm, like, you start a sentence like that, that's immediately grounds for libel. Am I hearing you right? Are you threatening me? When did I threaten anyone? I didn't threaten anyone. As a matter of fact, they're not getting weapons, so how could anybody be threatened, especially Russia? We'll be back. It's the House Marks Radio podcast, Mega Worldwide, on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, that's right. All the more reason to bring, uh, you know, the, the family's back together. Stephanie Miller and I will meet, and I will make her an, an offer she cannot refuse, mainly because of the wine. <laughs> we'll be back. Picture your face in the mirror. You see all those wrinkles around your eyes? How about crow's feet or large under-eye bags? Well, imagine they're gone. And I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery. Just gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in minutes. It's, it's the edge you're looking for. Simply put, you'll be blown away by the results. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself out at work or with friends. The best part is Plexiderm goes on clear so nobody knows you're using it, unless, of course, you tell them, which is sort of bragging. Go to triplexiderm.com and use my code SEXYLIBERAL for 50% off plus an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning code SEXYLIBERAL. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit triplexiderm.com today and use the code SEXYLIBERAL at checkout. That's triplexiderm.com. This is Tom Hartman, and you're listening to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Um, so the the other one is that the White House can just blatantly defy subpoenas because reasons. There, there doesn't seem to be, um, uh, and and it's, it's it's curious that the White House is trying to stymie a lot of these folks who want to talk, which is the weirder part of it. It is it is not that uncommon to to use executive privilege between basically two co-conspirators. That there is a um, it, it is completely normal um, for you know in, in you know in a Nixonian sense that that co-collaborators in a in a criminal scheme in the White House would go, yeah, yeah, no, 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 that's executive privilege. We were talking about private stuff. Oh, no, no, no. I, that's just between me and the president. Well, that's because you were both in the process of committing a crime. Um, the problem they have is that the that a lot of these folks who are getting subpoenas are actually going 
in spite of the administration telling them not to, or the State Department in the case of Pompeo or the, or the uh, DOJ. Um, it is harder to get DOJ witnesses to come forward because those people are pretty law and order. But the, the diplomats under the State Department, they're, they're coming out in droves. Um, this is, uh, let's see, I think this is, uh, from Salon. Several witnesses have defied the administration's orders, but they appeared before lawmakers after being subpoenaed. Thus, Morrison would be the first White House official who is currently serving in the Trump administration to testify. Morrison would also be among, this is, um, the, uh, Tim Morrison, who's the top Russia and European official in the NSC, the National Security Council. Morrison would also be among the first officials who personally heard Trump's July 25th phone call with Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky to testify, whom, by the way, the people of um, uh, of Ukraine are are currently calling uh, Monica Zelensky for because of how he sucks up to Trump. Um, cute. Trump ordered uh, acting chief of staff Mick Mulvaney to block more than $390 million in aid to Ukraine before the call. Uh, the network reported that Morrison is expected to back up testimony of acting ambassador Bill Taylor, who Democrats said just provided the most damning account yet for Trump. Morrison was mentioned 15 times in Taylor's opening statement. Now, did you see the the Bill Taylor um, opening statement? Okay, so he, uh, I mean, as I think he learned from watching the other people that. Um, the Republicans were going to block any of the testimony from coming out, but it was becoming, you know, SOP is becoming standard operating procedure for the uh, for them to release the opening statement. So effectively, he just put everything he was going to say into his opening statement. He just spilled the beans almost entirely, um, and you can read it's fifteen pages. Um, yeah, um, the you know. And let's see. And I think he had, uh, I don't know how long he spoke in that opening statement, but it wasn't a half an hour. It didn't take him a half hour to read his opening statement. Um, but I, I will say, um, um, and by the way, his official uh, job description is mm. charge de fer, which I think is fantastic. What? He's in charge of the affairs of the U.S. Embassy in Kiev. Oh my, Charles Duffer. It sounds like a you know character in a in a Clouseau movie. Um, he uh, <coughs> he presented this. It's it's uh, sorry. It's sixteen pages long. My bad. He read this whole thing, um, and for the record, it did not take him a half hour, which is just to remind you that the. Uh, the transcript, quote unquote transcript, the memo the White House put out was uh, five pages long and and represented a half hour phone call. See what I'm saying? Okay. Mm. So um, he, you know, opens with his bona fides. He um, talks about, you know, how he's basically served in and out of, uh, you know, the like Bush, Obama, Trump, it didn't really matter. You know, he's 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 basically does what he's told and tries to give the best information he can coming back from the country as an ambassador and as they charge de fail. That is like a new goal of mine to be a charge de fail. Absolutely. I just want a business card that says that just in, in the most American psycho kind of way. Um he he's in part of it, he's 
he's talking about just normal run-of-the-mill business stuff that he had. And, you know, he said, I returned to Kiev on June 17th carrying the original copy of a letter President Trump signed the day after I met with the secretary. In that letter, President Trump congratulated President Zelensky on his election um, and invited him to a meeting in the Oval Office. I also brought with me a framed copy of the secretary's declaration that the United States would never recognize the illegal Russian annexation of Crimea. But once I arrived in Kiev, I discovered a weird combination of encouraging, confusing, and ultimately alarming circumstances. First, the encouraging. President Zelensky was taking over Ukraine in a hurry. He had appointed reformist ministers and supported long-stalled anti-corruption legislation. He took quick executive action, including opening Ukraine's high anti-corruption court, which was established under the previous presidential administration, but never allowed to operate. He called snap parliamentary elections. His party was so new it had no representation in the Rada and later uh, won an overwhelming mandate controlling 60% of the seats. With his new parliamentary majority, he changed the Ukrainian constitution to remove the absolute immunity from Rada deputies, which had been the source of a raw corruption for two decades. So he's handling corruption. This is when he gets elected. And yet, I found a confusing and unusual arrangement for making U.S. policy towards Ukraine. There appeared to be two channels of U.S. policymaking and implementation, one regular and one highly irregular. As the chief of mission, I had authority, oh, wow, chief of mission and charge d'affaires, this guy's important. I had authority over the regular formal diplomatic processes, including the bulk of the U.S. effort to support Ukraine against the Russian invasion and help it defeat corruption. This regular channel of U.S. policymaking has consistently had strong bipartisan support in both Congress and the administration since Ukraine's independence from Russia in 1991. At the same time, however, there was an irregular informal channel of U.S. policymaking with respect to Ukraine, one which included then Special Envoy Kurt Volker, Ambassador Sondland, Secretary of Energy Rick Perry, and as I subsequently learned, Mr. Giuliani. I was clearly in the regular channel, but I was also in the irregular one due to the extent that the ambassadors, that Ambassador Volker and Sondland included me in certain conversations. Although this irregular channel was well-connected in Washington, it operated mostly outside of official State Department channels. This irregular channel began when Ambassador Volker Ambassador Sondland, Secretary Perry, and Senator Ron Johnson briefed President Trump on May 23rd upon their return from President Zelensky's inauguration. The delegation returned to Washington enthusiastic about the new Ukrainian president and urged President Trump to meet with him early on to connect, uh, uh, sorry, cement the U.S.-Ukraine relationship. But from what I understood, President Trump did not share their enthusiasm for meeting Mr. Zelensky. In late June, one of the goals of both channels was to facilitate a, a visit by President Zelensky to the White House from a meeting with, uh, for a meeting with President Trump, which President Trump had promised in his congratulatory letter in, of May 29th. Ukrainians were clearly eager for the meeting to happen. During a conference call with Ambassador Volker, Acting Secretary of State and European uh, Eurasian Affairs, Phil Reeker, Secretary Perry, Ambassador Sondland, Counselor of the U.S. Department of State, Ulrich Breckbull, on June 18th, it was clear that the meeting began... Uh, sorry, the meeting between the two presidents was an agreed-upon goal. They were already setting this. And then, but during my subsequent communication with Ambassadors Volker and Sondland, they relayed to me that the president wanted to hear from Zelensky before scheduling the meeting in the Oval Office. It was not clear, it was not clear to me what this meant. If you paid any attention, what it meant was was that he was uh, he wanted a deliverable? I mean, this like I said, it's worth a read. It it reads like a novel um, because it is just so full of shocking facts. 
And um, at one point, he goes to Pompeo. Pompeo's, um, uh, or he, he goes to Bolton, says, what the hell's going on? Bolton says, write a letter to Pompeo. He's, you know, he's your boss. Tell him what's up. Put it in the official record. Because that's, that's a recurring theme in this stuff, too. Oh, that was good. that goes back to one of the lies, the Republican lies about this. He met the whistleblower, met with Shifty Shift before he, you know, they, well, they were coordinating. The, the whistleblower went to somebody on the intelligence committee because he's in the intelligence community and said, dude, I just saw something and heard some stuff that's totally illegal that the president is doing. What do we do? Do you guys inter- do I go straight to you guys? And they go, no, you go back to the uh, intelligence community uh, and you run this through your normal whistleblower chain of command. You, you, you go, you do it by the numbers. It's, it is absurd that it, like, well, anyway, so um, Pompeo um, he goes, I, uh, um, I sent a first person cable to, uh, secretary Pompeo directly, which I just love the idea. Like, um, <laughs> director Pompeo, stop. I am in Kiev right now. And the president is a moron. Stop. Um, whatever you are doing right now, stop. Um, I wrote and transmitted such a cable on August 29th describing the, quote, folly I saw in withholding military aid to Ukraine at a time when hostilities were still active in the East and when Russia was watching closely to gauge the level of American support for the Ukrainian government. Now, keep in mind, what was the one thing that Manafort changed in the RNC platform on behalf of Donald Trump? What was the one thing? Softening military support for Ukraine. Guys, you know, I don't, I don't want to get too far into a, uh, you know, hair on fire fear point. But if, if this is the late 20s, uh, early 30s, Ukraine is Poland, Russia is Germany, um, and the, uh, Turkey is serving as the, the sort of Italian squeeze point for the rest of Europe. By releasing ISIS fighters that will storm into Turkey and and softening NATO's um, relationship with Turkey over time, that creates a position. If anybody's ever played Risk, um, that that traps Europe between two forces. And if you only think two weeks down the road in your own life, maybe this, you know, seems like an impossibility, like all great geopolitical moves. But these people are thinking 5, 10, 15 years ahead. There's a strategy here. And um, and as Hal Vickery, uh, I, I completely agree in our chat room, um, Trump is currently Cheeto Chamberlain. Hashtag Cheeto Chamberlain. Um, he is allowing this to happen and making it easier. Russia is trying to claim Ukraine and squeeze using uh, squeeze our European allies using Turkey and uh, and Syria as as southern points uh, as part of a, a basically a, a crossfire um, so okay so I told the secretary I could not and would not defend such a policy although I received no specific response I heard that soon after thereafter the secretary carried the cable with him to a meeting at the White House focused on security assistance for Ukraine 
<clears throat> the same day that I sent my cable to the secretary, August 29th, Mr. Yermak contacted me and was very concerned, asking about the withheld security assistance. The hold that the White House had placed on the assistance had just been made public that day in a Politico story. So that goes to, if you saw the, um, did you see the text messages back and forth um, oh. between the two of them? Okay, the, between Sondland. Um, this is, you know, people have uh, put this out um, uh, as, you know, evidence of the quid pro quo and all that kind of stuff. And and at the tail end of these things, of what was released, um, uh, Trump, at, you know, basically talked to Sondland, said, hey, make sure you put in there there's no quid pro quo to um to cover our butts and so that the last one says by the way i want to make completely sure that you know that there's no <laughs> quid pro quo between the president and this is it um and p.s stop texting me and we'll do this all verbally from now on oh <laughs> yeah it's like yes, that one yes. thing like wait a minute this is nuts so we're withholding aid to an ally for to help a political campaign dude call me like that was pretty much how the texts were going. Well, in in the anybody who says there's no quid pro quo, we just said so in the entire thing. Didn't bother to read any of the other texts because they specifically ask for a quid pro quo um, in it. They're asking for what's called a deliverable. They want something, and they will not release the aid and the weapons or the ability to buy the weapons until that deliverable is given. Now, was the deliverable? an investigation into the Bidens uh, and corruption by the Bidens, as everyone says. No, no, at no point do they ask them to open an investigation in this stuff. They, I mean, they may have, like uh, Sondland may have said it, but at no point does the president ask for them to open it. What The deliverable, what they asked for was not an investigation into corruption by the Bidens. I cannot state that soundly enough. I do not get it why it keeps getting repeated in the news. The deliverable. It, it, the deliverable that they asked for is not an investigation into corruption by the Bidens. It is not even an investigation into the corruption around CrowdStrike, and the, uh, which was his first concern. He first asked about CrowdStrike. Getting, his first concern was getting Russia off the hook. His second was... Um, was allegedly going after the Biden dirt. He didn't ask for dirt on Biden. He asked for them to make a public speech saying that they were looking for dirt on Biden. That's not the same thing. Saying that you believe there's a reason for their, uh, you know, that you look into these folks creates the illusion that there's actually evidence which there is not. What what they wanted was they a don't have the papers, huh? They don't have the papers. What the, the papers they do have show payments by Ukrainian sock puppets of Russia uh, to uh, Manafort during the time of the previous administration um, there that was uh, killing their own citizens and get and seeding ground. So, um, the the reality here <coughs> is that. In the and then apparently we have a bot. I'm sorry, I'll I'll fix that for you guys or something in the in the chat room. Um, in in Which the uh, <laughs> uh, the reality for this um, is that they were not asking for evidence. They were not asking for uh, an investigation. They were not asking for them to quote look into corruption at all. 
what they were asking for was a speech saying they were doing that. All they had to do was give a speech saying they were doing that. And that would give them a White House visit, the funds would be released, and they would have the ability to buy the missiles, the, the anti-tank weapons. They were not asking for an actual investigation into corruption. They were asking for a publicity stunt. The deliverable was a publicity stunt. End of conversation. It's nonsense. And it keeps getting repeated. I see it on all the news stories as if that's the case. It, it, and they they strictly are not. So um, I, I will continue to chew on that every time that garbage comes up. But the deliverable um, was negotiated in these text messages that he references in his statement. Back and forth between Andre Yermak, um, Kurt Volker, Sondland, and Bill Taylor. Uh, Taylor is increasingly uncomfortable with it. Sondland is way more comfortable than he lead, than he seems to be now. And what they were ultimately, ultimately asking for was for him to draft a speech, and they were going to help him with the the speech points. They wanted this deliverable to hit something. Once we have a date, we'll call for a press briefing, briefing announcing the upcoming visit and outlining vision for the reboot of U.S. Uh, Ukrainian relationships, uh, including among other things, uh, um, Ukraine relations, including among other things, Burisma and election meddling and investigation. That's what they want said in the press. Um, I agree with your approach. Let's iron out statement and use that to get the date. Then Prez Z can go forward with it. They are talking about the statement. They are talking about preparing a speech for the new president of Ukraine. This has nothing to do with dirt on Joe Biden or an investigation of CrowdStrike, which is a California-based company, publicly owned. This is about getting him to give Donald Trump the same gift that Comey gave him in the 2016 election by saying, we're looking into Hillary Clinton again. Mm-hmm. Never turned out to be anything. And as a matter of fact, quietly a week ago, the the Hillary email scandal uh, deflated um, like a flan in a cupboard, as Eddie Izzard would say. Fell apart. Garbage, nothing there. Never had anything. Beat it to death. Just like Benghazi, which on both of those, by the way, they had secret closed-door skiff meetings and depositions and witnesses come in on both of those cases. But what ultimately did more damage to the, the Clinton campaign was the fact that Comey went out and made a speech, we need to reopen this investigation. I'm not saying there's something there, but we, we're, we're investigating her again. They went back for seconds. That's what this is. So the deliverable was a speech, not dirt. And then all of a sudden, while they're doing this stuff, um, it, they get this... Uh, <coughs> on the 28th, which is what he just referenced. Zelensky's aide, Andrei Yermak, texted Ambassador Volker a news story titled, Trump holds up Ukraine military aid meant to confront Russia. The whole scheme fell apart. It got out. It was in the news. And he immediately said, hi, Andrei. Uh, he goes, I need to talk to you. And then he sends the link. And Kurt Volker says, hi, Andre. Absolutely. When's good for you? And then immediately the next stuff, 
Bill Taylor, trip canceled. Volker, hope vote V. POTUS keeps the Blatt and ties uh, and tees up White House visit. Hope Gordon and Perry still going. Like they they pull Trump everything. So, anyways, we got to take a break. We'll be back. It's the House Marks Radio program, Mega Worldwide. I'm Dick Kay from Back on the Beat, and here is the Mega Worldwide Radio program with Hal Sparks. I love how um, all these guys can obstruct justice, um, and then they're found guilty of obstructing justice by lying to investigators and lying to officials and lying to a uh, grand jury or lying to Congress. And um, that all they're guilty of are process crimes. So um, in this estimation... To analogize for our dear friend who just called in, um, I murder someone. They can't find the body, but um, I I clearly hit it. (coughs) The cops found it later. I lied about where it was, um, but because there are no fingerprints on it, because I threw it in a in a furnace at work. um, All they can get me on technically is lying about moving a body. Right. That's the thing. That means I'm innocent of murder in this guy's eyes is what he's saying. It's just just a process. Hey, all I did was break a process rule. I ran from the cops. Uh, They were in the process of shooting at me. I was in the process of shooting back. Um, I at one point in the process, I jumped a fence. Um, I was tackled. Um, And then at that process, I uh, um, was uh, cuffed and and then I lied 15 times on the way to the station and I spat on a guy. But that's just process. Um, uh, there have been uh, 34 people and three Russian businesses indicted um, by the Mueller investigation, starting with Paul Manafort. Um, he was busted for his lobbying uh, for the Ukrainian sock puppets, which is Russia. The money came through there. They busted him for the money laundering because they're the Russians are smart enough not to have left a mechanical or paper trail with him going through there. So he was paid in cash and while he was over there and they busted him for trying to sneak the money back across, but he was acting as a foreign agent and he was smuggling uh, this cash in and not paying taxes on it. So that's, that's the process. Rick Gates is actually um, he's being in charge for being an unregistered foreign agent which is way more than process. That's that is the manipulation of our electoral systems by a foreign government and the participation by a citizen of this country in helping that happen process. Um, uh, he, um, he pled guilty to conspiracy against the United States and lying to federal prosecutors. Now, I don't know if conspiracy process. I don't know if this guy would consider conspiracy against the United States as a crime of process, but sure. But he pled to those to avoid a bunch of financial crime things as well, bank fraud and all that, hiding money he was getting from a foreign country. Constant Kalimnik, um, uh, here's here's Mike Flynn. Um, pled guilty, by the way, acknowledging uh, false statements and admissions and FBI interviews. Um, and started cooperating, essentially. Uh, admitted to lying about asking the Russian ambassador to refrain from responding to the Obama administration on sanctions. 
Um, by the way, um, ultimately, those sanctions were um, raised by Congress and the Senate um, and 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 Trump, essentially, because he is a puppet of Vladimir Putin, has fought the sanctions all the way. Yep. And if sanctions are, you know, if, if we're not allowed to put sanctions on countries that are attacking us or attacking our elections or or doing horrible things in the world, then why is it OK for Trump to put Iran's, you know, sanctions on Iran or on North Korea or on any other country that he sees fit? If that's just going to provoke a war. Why are we bowing our head to Russia? How is that? I mean. First of all, their nuclear systems are rickety and underwhelming. They have spent ma majority of their time uh, in power, as far as Putin, sucking money out of that country. They have a smaller economy than Texas and bigger a bigger landmass than the U.S. and Canada combined. The country's a failure, and yet these guys want us to take a knee in front of these guys. I don't get it. Michael Cohen, obviously. Um, you know, for, uh, you know, the, uh, he'll say, well, that was in Russia. Right. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you'll defend uh, Bill Clinton to the death um, because uh, Monica Lewinsky never worked for the Whitewater real estate firm. Um, Rick Gates um, uh, um, also was uh, like, was part of the influence operation in 2014. Um George Papadopoulos, and of course, uh, Alex Vanderswan was uh, sentenced in his uh, court. Uh, he had pleaded guilty to lying to federal agents about his contacts with the Trump campaign chair, Rick Gates, in September 2016. They were helping launder money for the Russians. Um, Richard Pinedo um, was one of the lesser known guys in it. Um, Let's see. He let's see. He did, but the California man played an instrumental role in Russia in a Russian troll factory's online influence campaign during the 2016 by unwittingly selling bank accounts to Russians. In February 2018, he pleaded guilty to one count of identity fraud. And in October that year, was sentenced to serve six months in prison, following six months of home confinement and a thousand hours of community service. Um, so he was specifically working with a Russian troll factory, helping them launder money to pay for um, psyops and material hacking physically in the United States. And this, by the way, does not count all the obstruction of justice aspects because the obstruction of justice is the hiding of the crimes. Mm -hmm. I, I, like the idea that like, do these guys watch like the Dateline NBC murder mysteries and go, why are they even bothering that guy? <laughs> Lots of people float in rivers. <laughs> you know, like... Yeah. What side are they on? That's the amazing part. Over and over. Yeah, and they will just defend Trump to no end. I don't know if we have any other callers. Um, just to be aware, I'm just checking because we, we had the we had the the panicked right winger. At least that guy. At least I give him credit for actually calling in. And and you know, Alex Jones is off the air these days, so it's you know he needs all the help he can get getting these ideas out there. So I appreciate the guy calling in and and fomenting them. Um, but the, we had an earlier caller who apparently, um, was so convinced I wouldn't take his call that he hung up because I was unfair to not take his call. So that's why he hung up before I could take his call. <laughs> um, so, um, real quick before we go to break, <clears throat> the, um, uh, the, the Taylor, uh, statement that he made, um, invariably, they had had, you know, during this point, their defense has been, well, the money got released. 
the money got released. It, it, they got it. Okay, first of all, Trump never had the right to hold it back. It was approved by Congress. It had already been signed off on as part of, I think, the defense appropriations bill. It had already been in there. It was part of a bill he had already signed. Legally, the money was out the door. The quid pro quo that you know Mick Mulvaney stepped in saying, you know, we do this all the time um, between countries. That part that was true about that had already been satisfied. Our country had recognized that an ally was fighting a, a, a foe that had attacked our election and was physically attacked them. We had already decided that they were worthy of getting these funds and that we, we would help them and that it was in our national interest for them to get those funds. That quid pro quo had already been answered. What Trump did was insert his own personal quid pro quo in there. What he had asked for was not, um, I want corruption solved before I give money to this country. That was the cover he used when he saw what Biden and the EU and the IMF and, and it, multiple other European bodies and governments had said about Ukraine before the new president was in there, back in the day when Manafort was working with them. This, that's when Biden said, we're not giving these funds unless you clean up the corruption over there. We get rid of these guys who what when Taylor references exactly getting rid of these six guys in here that were stopping prosecution against Russians who were undermining the governments in these outlying areas so that they could move in. He, he talks about it directly. That's that's what they've been pushing against. And so Trump goes, um, I'll use that as cover. That happened? Okay, let's just say that. And I don't think it was his idea. I think Stephen Miller or somebody like that said, try this as oh, yeah. an argument. It's not it's his Everything idea. he says. Is he doesn't understand this. it. He, I mean, it's just like, it's like watching him talk about Schiff's statement. Like at a certain point, you're like, do you, do you even contemplate what being paraphrased means? And the fact that your actual statement got put into the record? Nobody's confused here but you which means you're either incredibly stupid or you think this is amazing. Look how clever I am. Mm -hmm. So um, in this, you know, in this period, there's, you know, the, the, they're working on this thing. They're working on this whole statement. We'll get them to say this. We'll get them to release this speech. He'll come out. And if he gives the speech, then he can meet with the president. Then he can get the funds. And before they can get all the, they can batten down all the hatches, cross their T's and dot their I's and make this happen, force the new president of Ukraine to make this speech, before they can do it, the Politico story comes out and throws a monkey wrench in the whole thing. Yep. And then all of a sudden, everybody stops talking on text, starts talking on WhatsApp, starts calling each other verbally because they don't want records of their conversations anymore. Because obviously it's getting out. People are sniffing around. It's, I mean, it's, it's a joke. And the fact that, the, like, that Republicans will back this guy and back Giuliani and back Trump in this nonsense, it's grotesque. You should be ashamed of yourself. I don't know how you, how do you, how are you that deluded? Literally in, in the last two weeks, the, the Hillary Clinton email thing collapsed entirely in your lap. 
are, are we going to fall back now to uh, like, well, Obama was still born out of the country. Like, is that where we're going now? Yeah. What's left? Because you now have Republicans storming secure facilities with insecure phones, filming stuff. You have the president's own words. He's like, why don't you hear about the whistleblower? Why don't we hear about the whistleblower anymore? We don't need the whistleblower. You're the whistleblower. He is. You don't need the whistleblower statement anymore. It is completely confirmed by the statement the president put out. And, and certainly from these text messages, we literally don't need the whistleblower anymore. It's all confirmed. Whistleblower, good on you. Take a break. Hit the, hit the showers. You're fine. Ridiculous. We'll be back. It's the House Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Welcome back to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. It's now time for the happy ending. Yay! Yay! Happy ending is, of course, as we get near the end of the show, uh, tons of calls. Yep. Tons of calls. So uh, we won't be able to fit everybody in, but we'll get a couple of them. So uh, who do we have first, Devin? First, we have Paul out in Seattle. Excellent. Hey, Seattle. Yeah. Hey, Paul in Seattle. Right on. Hey, how's it going? Yeah. You going to ready to play ball? Uh, look. Yeah. <laughs> this guy from I, Texas, I, uh, by the way, Hal, the guy from Texas, he, he's been here all week. You know what that, you know, that's what I mean. Uh, uh, trying his, his stuff out on uh, every show. Uh, oh, I see. He's, this is who, his, who, this yeah. is his gish gallop for the week. Yeah. Who, who's been a judge? So the, the part of his argument left out in terms of the murder analogy is that since none of your friends, your crooked friends who are in jail were involved in the murder, that's what gets you off. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, by the way, they're, uh, so, they're so scared of the Don, you know, killing them or his yeah. friends that they, you know, they'd rather go to jail like that. I mean, how 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 simple do you have to be to not understand Rico? But go ahead. Right. And and what Flynn, <laughs> he was only yeah. for, for us, he was only for jail for 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 lying. I mean, I guess you try to reason. Why would you lie if you had? And it's not the what's the lying about. And remember, like you said, he was cooperating so he was probably he was uh guilty of a lesser, he the down. Of the- and there were worse yeah. charge there were worse charges against right, him right. he pled out of them in exchange to help bust people higher up the chain that happens all the time we do that with hitmen murderers yeah, and- guys who sawed people up in in you know bathtubs you they plead down to like manslaughter charges for that kind yeah. of stuff, so you can get the guy that paid him to do it. That, I, why is this a mystery to these idiots? Well, it's not. And the thing is, is that uh, okay? So, and Rachel got to it last night. Okay, the Mueller report. You know, mm-hmm. remember Flynn and and the Manafort uh, were associated with both Turkey and Ukraine. Okay, mm-hmm. but uh, when I'm reading volume one of the of the Mueller report, it, you know, it gets to a point. People, most people haven't read it. It's yeah. so heavily redacted that it's almost incoherent. And it right. says, you know, oh, uh, well, this is re- the next six paragraphs are redacted uh, for investigation. Per- so it's supposedly uh, these things are under investigation. But I started to wonder, are they really? Or is right. this bar, it's just this bar redacting them and sweeping it under the rug. And yeah. last night, I said, so maybe these things are associated with. These, you know, we didn't think about it when I first started reading it, but Rachel said, 
page 143. And I went, yep, now, see, I have to read on audio, so that's not so easy for me to find. But I remember going, yeah, I remember what she was talking about. There are things in the Mueller report. These things have been discovered, but they're redacted and being covered up. Buddy in Texas, this guy, this guy is too much. I mean, really, it it really is this, this, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Well, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, first of all, you have to understand anywhere stuff is blacked out. That just proves Trump's innocence. Anytime, anytime you see big blocks of text blacked out in an indictment of you and your associates, that means you're so innocent people couldn't even take the blinding light of your innocence. Right. Well, <laughs> secondly, just- they break it down by grand jury information, which is all coming to the House now. That's The judge ordered that this week. So anytime you see a redacted thing in the report, and there's tons of it that says grand jury, grand jury, grand jury, it's questions by the grand jury. Um, elements that they presented to them that they didn't want to put into the actual report. Um, there's tons of that stuff. Investigative techniques we'll never see. There's some personal privacy stuff, which is also debatable. Um, yep. But um, in terms of, let's see, the uh, 140, <laughs> beg your pardon, 143, um, that's a huge redacted page. That's, I mean, yep. um, this is with the, this deals with Konstantin Kalimnik. Um, And let's see, uh, Klimnik wrote, quote, all that is required to start the process is a very minor wink or slight push from DT, Donald Trump, an apparent reference to President-elect Donald Trump and a decision to authorize you to be a special representative and manage the process, Klimnik assured Manafort. With that authority, he could, quote, start the process within 10 days, visit Russia. Uh, uh, Yanukovych guarantees your reception at the very top level. And Donald Trump could have uh, peace in Ukraine basically within a few months after inauguration. By by the way, handing Ukraine over to Russia, right? And there you go. Grand jury block and statements in the office. Manafort sought to qualify his engagement and support for the plan. Grand jury block, and then February twenty sixth, Manafort met with Kalimnik in Madrid, um, where Kalimnik had flown from Moscow. In his first two interviews with the office, Manafort denied meeting with Kalimnik, lied about it on his Madrid trip. So he's really just. Paul, he's just lying about a meeting, okay? It's just a li- he's yeah. he's busted for lying. It's not what happened in the meeting that matters. It's how small it is of the thing to lie to federal investigators twice about the well, meeting. Can I can I give you my take on why the call was yeah. perfect? Okay, yes. Um, right. Yeah. Here's how I get perfect: is uh, Trump was on the phone and Barr and Pompeo were standing there. Like a couple of teenagers listening to their buddy make a prank phone call, and right. they were and they gave him the okay sign. Well, they they they're, they're statue freeze. Their gaze is kind of up and to the left. They're bated breath. They got that excellent uh, isometric smile on their face. And when mm-hmm. Trump hung up, when when Trump hung up, Barr said, "Perfect." And then Pompeo said, "Yeah, excellent, perfect." That's how the yeah. perfect got in there. <laughs> Sweet. Did I say it exactly where legally I'm in the clear, but I said everything, all the scary words? Now go send Barr and go send Rudy to tell him the real S. Go, go, they'll say the real scary stuff, and I'll say the winky stuff that makes me sound like I'm in the clear. That's exactly what he's talking about. Um, congratulations, Paul. You were so interesting that you became our one caller of the many that were stuck on there. I appreciate it. All the other callers, call earlier next time, guys. I love you, especially the trolls. If you want to uh, talk about this uh, stuff, I'm glad to bat you down 
Um, you're an embarrassment to the country. You should be ashamed of yourself. Um, you throw um, America under the bus to support this second generation rich kid with a, a history of business failure who was such a failure at the end of his career, which is what he was coming up to and what will continue after he's gone. Then he, the only place he could get money was from Deutsche Bank, which was all fed through by Russia and Deutsche Bank's machine that, you know, their software that showed them where sketchy money came from was magically on the fritz in the 10 years that he was getting money from Russia through there. And they, they were fined for Russian money laundering. Um, to the tune of 458 mil, uh, million dollars for billions of dollars in, in wandering. So just stop pretending he's the God man on earth, will you? Stop pretending. It's embarrassing. You're embarrassing yourself. The man is a fool. Um, Johnny, you're lovely. We'll, we'll uh, see you soon, hopefully next week, if not the week after. Love you, keep chat room. Yes. Um, we will um, we will see you guys next time. Uh, Hal Sparks Radio Podcast Mega Worldwide is on the uh, Sexy Liberal Podcasting Network for your enjoyment. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel. Become a Patreon. Come on. Come on. I mean, you get this show for free. I don't even take the ad rev. Come on. Come on, man. Just a little. Help out. Come on. Coffee a month. Come on. Feel like NPR. See you next time. Hey, this is Ryan Knight, and if you've enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love my podcast, Amped Up with Proud Resistor, where we dive deep into progressive issues, Trump's crimes. And we have great guests like Rosie O'Donnell, Rob Reiner, and Malcolm Nance. You're such a name dropper. Oh, uh, you know. So come on and join us at Amped Up with Proud Resistor on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network.